Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. <laughs> See, I have to do that different every time. I don't know why. It's kind of just a funny thing with me. Welcome to the podcast. For those of you listening for the first time, thank you. Uh, I hope maybe a friend or relative or coworker told you about the podcast. For those of you who have been listening all the time, bless you. Thank you so much for listening to every podcast. I really appreciate it. I would also really appreciate you spreading the bark or relaying the bark. Let everybody know about this podcast. I want to get to the point where I can tell you what I have done for a living for a very long time, but I can't do that until this podcast gets profitable enough to where if I lose work in the other profession, it'll be okay. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about this one. But hey, this podcast is episode 40. Absolutely excited that I've made 40 podcasts and I have some great listeners around the world. And every single week I get new listeners and I really, really appreciate that. I am going to try and figure out how to market this better and hopefully put it on YouTube, especially when I just reveal who I am for real and what I have done for the last 34 years. I will probably do video podcasts on YouTube and maybe other venues and maybe do some live podcasts. And I'm going to also start a Patreon account and hopefully get some hats and t-shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of things with Watchdogs Bark. I'm working on all that. So stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of fun things happening. All right. In this podcast, we are going to talk about the Supreme Court and these last three rulings that are very exciting. This Supreme Court, I think more than any other Supreme Court, is very intent on upholding the Constitution. And these three rulings that have happened in the last part of June, or yeah, of June, and we're going into July. That's when all the big rulings always happen on SCOTUS. They save the last, the biggest rulings for right before they take a break until the next season. So this definitely did not disappoint. We have three rulings that have come down on the side of the Constitution, and I will explain that in much more detail. Also, then I need my friends that are friends of color and my gay and lesbian friends. Your movements have been hijacked, and I will explain that later. So stick around because we've got all kinds of fun things to talk about. And of course, I will end on a positive note, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So kick back, kick your shoes off, open up a beer or your favorite drink of choice. Unless, of course, you are working out. I have some friends that tell me they listen to the podcast while they work out. So if you're Working out, don't, don't kick off your shoes and, and don't pop open a beer or your drink of choice. Uh, just finish that workout and push yourself harder than you've ever pushed yourself before. And just remember how good you're going to feel after you finish the workout. That's always one of my favorite things about working out is when you're done with a really good hard workout, 
how great you feel. So have a good workout and thanks for listening. Also, again, if you have anything to say to me, positive or negative, it doesn't hurt me at all. And if you want to give me ideas or if you want to dispute anything I've been saying on my podcasts, don't hesitate to write me. Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. All right, let's start this off. All right, the three rulings that have come down from the Supreme Court just as they ended their session are all upholding the Constitution. Let's start with the first one, which seems to be the most controversial and has an amazing concurrent opinion by Justice Clarence Thomas. And then a very interesting opposing opinion or dissenting opinion by Katanji Brown Jackson, who are both black. And it's interesting to see two very different viewpoints of this. Okay, that is the affirmative action against college admission. This is against Harvard and the University of North Carolina. There were both uh, lawsuits that went through all the courts and ended up at the Supreme Court. There was a Asian male man that said he had perfect grades, perfect test scores, and he was completely turned down at Harvard because of their quota. And Harvard does have very strict rules or had, I think they're going to change them a little bit at least now, but they used to have very strict rules guidelines of how they admitted students. And if you were a white student or an Asian student, you had about a five to six percent chance of getting accepted at Harvard. If you were an Indian student, you had about a 13 to 15 percent chance. If you were Hispanic, you had about a 33 percent chance. And if you were black, you had about a 54% chance of being admitted into Harvard. So this Asian man won this ruling and the Supreme Court came down on his side and said, you cannot use skin color as a determining factor of who gets in and who is admitted to the college. And of course, The left is losing their minds over this and saying that the Supreme Court is racist and they are they want segregation and all that. And what really is funny is the Constitution and especially the 14th Amendment, which was what the justices were really basing their decision on it. It basically via the Civil Rights Act, it's a violation of the 14th Amendment and it's application of equal protection under the law. So Harvard was basically banning or restricting Asian students to a certain extent where it was actual discrimination. And they were accepting black students at a much higher rate, all because of affirmative action. And this this case only covers affirmative action in college admission. So it has nothing to do with hiring in the workforce or anything else, but I think it's going to seep into other areas in our country. 
Now, listen to some of the, I can't read the entire concurrent opinion of Justice Thomas because it's 60 pages long, but I wanted to read you some highlights I found in The Federalist, and I think these are very, very uh, poignant in what happened. Basically, Justice Thomas talks about the best way to fix discrimination is not with more discrimination. He says the Constitution continues to embody the simple truth. Two discriminatory wrongs cannot make a right. Amen. You can't solve racism with more racism or opposing or reverse racism, they would call it. I think that's very, very clear in this opinion. He also talks about how when one person is advantaged, uh, other people are automatically disadvantaged. He says this, it is not even theoretically possible to help, in quotes, a certain racial group without causing harm to members of other racial groups. The zero-sum nature of college admissions, where students compete for a finite number of seats in each school's entering class, aptly demonstrates this point. He's exactly right on this. If you discriminate against one race, you are also discriminating against other races. Also, he goes on to say something that I believed for a very long time and trying to get it through to other people is young people today are not liable for the sins of their ancestors. All right, universities, he says, this is, this is what he says, universities' discriminatory policies burden millions of applicants who are not responsible for the racial discrimination they sullied our nation, that, that sullied our nation's past. Whatever their skin color, today's youth simply are not responsible for instituting the segregation of the 20th century, and they do not shoulder the moral debts of their ancestors. Exactly. He also goes on to talk about how the hyper-focus on race communicates to the new generations that they should allow racial differences to influence their perception of others. Basically, he says, sorting by race increasingly encourages our nation's youth to view racial differences as important and segregation as routine. Amen on that. Amen on that. That is just exactly right. We're teaching the youth that segregation is acceptable and fine. We're not trying to create a colorblind society. We're not trying to create a society that Martin Luther King Jr. dreamed of, where one day uh, the children will be judged by the content of the character, not the color of their skin. The left seems to want segregation, and they seem to want everyone to consider skin color when talking to anyone or considering any position, college admission or job application or anything in our society. They want people to look at outward characteristics as the most important thing, whereas those of us on the right want people to look at character and ethics. If you automatically judge people by the color of their skin, white or black, that is a problem. You, we need to create a colorblind society, and the left does not want that. 
They want us divided because divided gives them more power. And everything that the left wants to do is to give them more power. Like I've said before, the left wants to get rid of the Electoral College, get rid of the filibuster, make D.C. a new state. Why do they want to do this? They want to pack also the Supreme Court, meaning add more liberal justices so that it will be a liberal-leaning court again. Why do they want to do this? Explain to me why the left would want to do this if they don't want power. They, don't, they want a one-party government. And like I've said before, they want the Republicans and conservatives to sit down and shut up and let them run the country how they want. And Justice Thomas is basically saying, we cannot have this kind of society. We need to create a colorblind society where we all find compromise. Now, let me read you the dissenting opinions, actually opinions, uh, by Katanji Brown-Jackson and uh, Justice Sotomayor. First of all, Katanji Brown-Jackson, and again, it's very interesting. This is very uh, opposite of uh, what Clarence Thomas says. And then these two got into a match going back and forth, and it's really interesting. Like I said, they, they look at this at two very different opinions, and they're both black. So that's very interesting. Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson says this, With let-them-eat-cake obliviousness today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. Interesting. And then Justice Sotomayor says, Devastating impact on the nation as the majority's vision of race neutrality will entrench racial segregation in higher education because racial inequality will persist so long as it is ignored. No, I have to disagree with that. Basically, we're trying to create a colorblind society will mean that nobody focuses on skin color and everyone is treated equally. I don't understand how the left doesn't get that. Well, I do understand because they want power. They want to divide. They want everyone divided by race, by skin color, by nationality, by uh, gender, by sexuality. They want us all divided. And they want everyone seen by their surface features only and not by the content of their character. So you can hear the very big differences between the consenting and the dissenting opinions of Justice Thomas and then Justice uh, Brown Jackson. It's very interesting because this is the reason why Clarence Thomas is hated so much on the left. Everyone on the left doesn't think he's a legitimate justice and doesn't think he's really black. I don't, I, I guess that's what, how they look at it because they believe that all people of color should vote like a monolith. They should all vote together. They should all be unified in their thoughts and ideas and they should all be the exact same. 
they don't allow for independent thought. And the fact that Justice Thomas made a lot of sense really upset them. And then Katanji Brown Jackson just saying, by fiat, we have color blindness for all. Wouldn't that be amazing? I personally think it would be awesome if everyone stopped judging everyone, every other person, by the color of their skin or the other immutable characteristics that they were born with. They have no control over. But the left loves victimhood. Victimhood is power, believe it or not. I know it sounds kind of strange, but they get a lot of power from victimhood. They get a lot of things accomplished by people treating them as victims. And that is exactly what Katanji Brown Jackson was confirming when she said colorblindness for all by legal fiat. If only our society was that way. Can you imagine how peaceful, how nice things would be if nobody judged anyone else by their skin color or sexuality or nationality or gender? That everyone was treated the same? Not better, not advantages to one to make up for ancestral mistakes, but everyone was treated equally today. And it definitely seems like the left does not want that. I think Martin Luther King Jr. would probably be very disappointed in what is happening on the left today. All right. The second thing that came down from SCOTUS in this, this month was a web designer refused to design a website for a new married gay couple. And the Supreme Court came down on the side of the web designer because graphic design is a form of artistry. And this also would mean that this person would be forced by the government to design a website for someone whose lifestyle they disagree with. Basically, this says, and, and the people on the left and the right need to understand this is a very good thing because it also protects other couples or other business people that don't want to do something against their moral beliefs or religious beliefs. They basically want everyone to have freedom of speech and freedom of religion. It would be the same. So let me explain this. This woman that is the web designer doesn't have to design a website for a couple that she disagrees with their lifestyle because it would be going against her, her moral and religious beliefs. It would be the same thing if a gay couple had a store or website and let's say a straight couple wanted to come in and have a wedding that promotes heterosexuals only and was basically saying that gay marriage is an assault or an offense to God. And they wanted all of this stuff included in the website. That gay couple would have the right to say, no, we're sorry. This goes against our morals and beliefs. So it protects both sides completely. So it's very, very good. 
I'm very happy about this ruling. It basically protects freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Just a Muslim family or couple or individual doesn't have to do anything for a Christian couple that wants to say Christianity is the only way to go. It's the best and, you know, whatever. That would go against the Muslim religious beliefs and morals. So this is a very, very good thing, except for people on the left, apparently, because they want to be able to force everyone to have the same morality, have the same religious beliefs, and basically return us to England in the uh, early 1700s. That's basically what they want, because they want the full power. And this basically gives all the power to the people and lets all of them have their own religious beliefs and their own moralities and standards. And this is all a very good thing for both sides. But again, the left will never accept that because it goes against what they want to do. And then the last ruling, and that was against Joe Biden's attempt to circumnavigate the Constitution in forgiving 40 million students for their student loans. And this, of course, makes everybody go crazy. But what Joe Biden was trying to do, he was trying to use the HEROES Act to justify canceling all the student loans. The HEROES Act basically allowed the those who were serving our country for part of their student loans to be forgiven as a thank you for being in service for our country. Because some of them went off to war or went off to serve and they were gone for a year at the time and they really weren't doing a lot to be able to repay those student loans. And so the HEROES Act basically said, because you're serving our country, we will forgive some of your student loans uh, or delay them until you get back and get gainful employment so you can start repaying those loans. Again, this comes down on the side of the Constitution because the executive branch has no authority to do this. And guess who agrees with me? That's right. Everyone's favorite grandma in the, in the uh, house Nancy Pelosi. Listen to what she said. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. Exactly. It has to be an act of Congress. This kind of power or law that, ha- that can be created to forgive student loans has to go through the legislative branch. The Constitution says the legislative branch or Congress is the only body that can make laws. It cannot make laws in the executive branch. They cannot make laws in the judicial branch. The judicial branch interprets laws, and then those laws are supposed that that interpretation is supposed to go back to Congress, and they create a new law based on that. And the executive branch can do these executive orders, but that's basically circumnavigating the the um, Constitution 
and can be undone by an act of Congress or with a new administration that comes in that can reverse it. So that's why EOs are used by all the presidents now, and it's just insane that they need to do that. I think everything needs to go through Congress. Now, the left is already trying to find a way to circumnavigate the Constitution again and find some little uh, thing they can use, like the HEROES Act, to get these student loans passed. What my friends that have just taken out all these loans in college to have, you know, general studies degrees or, or gender or... Uh, you know, French impressionists of the 1400s and 1500s. Those are, those are majors that will not get you anywhere. And you will not make enough money to pay those exorbitant student loans back. And the interesting thing about this is it's only one generation they want to forgive. What about the generation before? What about the generation after? What about the people that looked at their finances, realized they didn't want to go into that much debt for graduate schools? That's where the majority of this is from, graduate schools. And they decided to go to trade schools or to save up for a couple years and pay for their college university uh, ed, um, education themselves. What do we do with them? Do we just say, ah, well, sucks to be you? No, we don't. And for those who think their student loans are going to be forgiven, it will never happen. The law will always come down on the side of the Constitution. And you need to understand the left and Democrats are using this to bribe you. And the funny thing is they don't have to go through with it. They don't have to get through it to make it happen. All they have to do is promise you they're going to do it. So now Joe Biden is promising he's going to find a workaround. He's doing this to try and trick you into voting for them. And sadly, I've heard a couple of students say, well, I'm going to vote for Joe because he really tried to forgive our loans. He really did. He really tried. No, Joe Biden always knew that he had no authority to do this, but he kept talking about it before the election. So you voted for him. And they are going to continue talking about this and promising you they're going to do this to get your vote in 2024. I promise you, your student loans will never be forgiven unless, unless in 2024, Democrats take a supermajority in the House and Senate and Joe Biden or whoever is the Democratic nominee takes the White House again. Then they'll ramrod all kinds of things through. And one of them may be student loan forgiveness. That will be by unconstitutional means. And understand this one thing. Your student loans will not be forgiven. They will not disappear into the ether and go off into the abyss and be deleted. That burden of payment will be passed on to taxpayers. So you are basically saying, I was irresponsible in taking out these gigantic graduate student loans, and now I am passing that obligation on to all the other taxpayers. Those that didn't go to college, those that went to college and paid off their student loans, it doesn't matter. I'm passing that burden 
on to the rest of America because I was not responsible enough in choosing to go to maybe a community college or a trade school or a state school because I wanted that graduate degree from an Ivy League school because it made me feel better. The ones that are graduating with graduate degrees from these Ivy League universities can make enough money to pay back those student loans. I mean, Alexandria, occasional cortex, I call her because she has a couple brain cells that work. She wants her student loans forgiven. And she makes $174,000 a year as a member of Congress. She drives a Tesla. She has two apartments, one in the Bronx and one in Washington, D.C. The one, Washington, D.C., is in one of the best buildings for apartment complexes in D.C., and she's asking you to forgive her student loans. Think about that. So I just want you guys to understand why Joe Biden is really doing this and really trying to convince you he's being earnest and promising with all of the effort he can, he's going to get your student loans forgiven. No, it will never happen. Mark my words. So three amazing opinions came down uh, or judgments came down from Supreme Court and they all upheld the Constitution. And of course, now the left is talking about how the Supreme Court is a radical conservative court and we need to do term limits or we need to pack the court. And thank goodness President Trump found three constitutionalists. Now, there's some that have gone to opinions that I disagreed with, and there's some that have gone to the opinions I agree with. That, to me, is a good thing. I don't want to have a court that agrees with everything I say. I want a court that finds the middle ground. And this court, I think above all other Supreme Courts, have done an extremely great job on that. What you don't understand is this court is far from radical because in the time in these sessions that they've had, they have come down 50% of their rulings have been unanimous. Many have been eight to one or seven to two. And some of the rulings that have come down six to three are not all six conservatives and all three liberals. Some liberals have gone to the six and some conservatives have gone to the three. So they have gone back and forth on many rulings this session. So I'm actually really impressed with the Supreme Court that has been created now. And I am so grateful that Donald Trump found constitutionalists. Some I agree with, some I don't, and that's okay. And that should be okay for you too. All right. One thing I want to talk about really quickly is affirmative action and how I believe it should be abolished everywhere. Let me just give you a real clear example here. And we'll go back to the Supreme Court for just a second. When Joe Biden announced he was only going to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court vacancy, he eliminated 95% of the possibilities and created a distrust about the selection process. Now, Katanji Brown Jackson may be the most qualified justice that could have been, but history will never know. And history will never say 
she was because she'll always be considered a diversity hire. Now, had Joe Biden done what Donald Trump did when he said he was going to pick Supreme Court justices, he put forth 20 names and he said, I found the best of these 20 justices and have nominated them. If Joe Biden would have done the same thing and then nominated Katanji Brown Jackson and said she was the most qualified of the 20 names that I have presented, no one would have any issue or any doubts as to Katanji Brown Jackson's qualifications. But affirmative action or the diversity in hiring, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is creating this distrust in processes. So I think this is also, uh, you can look at, um, what is her name? Corinne Jean-Pierre. I call her Corinne Diversity Hire because she was only hired because she's a black lesbian woman. That is it. And she is a disaster. She is one of the worst press secretaries I've ever seen. And, and you can tell she's lying when she blinks repeatedly. She, she blinks really, really fast before she says a lie. It's, it's just, it's a tell. If I, if I was playing poker uh, against her, I'd take all of her money because she has a tell that's very, very strong. And she lies from the podium all the time. And she's horrible at it because she, uh, one thing that, that um, Jen Psaki was very good at she could lie without any tells. She was a very good liar. And sometimes that is necessary to be the press secretary. You have to basically do the very best you can for your president and make them look the very best they possibly can. And sometimes they have to lie. But I'm telling you right now, Corinne Jean-Pierre is one of the worst liars I've ever seen. So affirmative action is the reason why this distrust exists in our society. I believe we should get rid of it at all. And honestly, the affirmative action is racist. The reason why is the people that want affirmative action are saying that they are telling the black community, we don't believe you're smart or talented or... Uh, you know, strong enough to compete at the same level as everyone else. So we're going to lower the standards for you. How is that not racist? I believe, and I've seen many of my black friends have been extremely successful in the areas they've pursued. I have absolute admiration and respect for my friends of color because they have accomplished so much. Those who think they need to lower the standards for the people of color are basically saying, we don't think you're good or strong or talented enough. So we're going to lower the standards so you can get in or you can be accepted. And to me, it blows me away that people of color don't see that. Don't see it. Basically, what, what is the expression? The soft bigotry of low expectations. I think that was another Martin Luther King quote. That to me is racism. All right. Okay. And to my friends of color and my gay and lesbian friends, your 
movements are being hijacked. What do I mean by that? Black Lives Matter, hijacked by Marxists that spent all the money that they raised and only 30% of it went to help black causes. 70% went to enrich those who were the head of Black Lives Matter. And guess what? They, are, they have declared bankruptcy. How is that? They raised $90 million. How can they be bankrupt? Oh, I know, because the head of Black Lives Matter bought mansions and paid their families insane amounts of money for contributing thoughts, for being helping with security, for different things like that, that basically they paid them hundreds of thousands of dollars and enriched themselves with real estate and other wonderful things that they bought with that money. So my friends of color, the Black Lives Matter movement was hijacked. And the same thing with my lesbian and gay friends. The LGBTQIA+, yes, I do know how it all works. I do say the ever-expanding acronym because that movement has been hijacked. The radical left is using your movement to indoctrinate and sexualize children. And I even hear from many of my gay and lesbian friends that they oppose what the radical left is doing with the movement. So uh, you need to claim these movements back and take them away from the radicals. Because radicals have, will take any movement that they can gain power from. And right now, it's the LGBTQIA plus movement that is being hijacked and used to gain power. How are they trying to gain power? If they can indoctrinate young children and sexualize them at such a young age and get them so confused, they can control them. And the state can raise the children. Like I said, they want to break the children. They want to break them mentally and break them away from their parents' influence so the state can raise them. And it all goes back to what my friend Yuri Bezmanov said in the video. If you go back to episode two, I think it is. Yeah, episode two, uh, what, what's happening in our schools, K through 12. You can listen to Yuri Bezmanov talk about this step, this multi-generational plan to demoralize and desensitize the United States of America. And the LGBTQIA plus movement has been hijacked to do that to children. That is my opinion. Of course, all of these things are my opinion. If you agree or disagree with them, feel free to write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. One thing that's really happening that's very disturbing is Planned Parenthood is operating kind clinics inside of Walgreens. Now, let me tell you, if you shop at Walgreens regularly, I would suggest you ask those that Walmart or that Walgreens you go into, do they have a kind clinic? If they do, I would tell them, I will never shop here again. Kind clinics are being ran by Planned Parenthood, and these clinics are offering children hormones, puberty blockers, and recommendations for sex change surgeries 
and they're not notifying parents about any of it. So what is being happening in schools is now going on to stores. They're trying to do everything they can to indoctrinate your children and get them confused, sexualized, demoralized, desensitized, so the government can raise them. And Planned Parenthood is helping them do it. Planned Parenthood already makes millions of dollars killing children, aborting babies, okay? And that's my opinion, killing children, okay? We'll, ta- we'll call it abortion, okay? They are, their abortion is their primary moneymaker, but they're starting to go into helping children with puberty blockers, hormones, and sex change surgeries. Why are they doing that? Because that's where the trend is going. That's a scary thought. So again, go into your local Walgreens if you shop there often. Ask them if they have a kind, K-I-N-D, kind clinic inside their store. If they do, tell the manager of that store you will never shop here again as long as the kind clinic is operating in that store. All right? Okay. One very interesting thing I discovered recently, and this is from the... uh, James Comer-led House investigation, Hunter Biden wrote off many things as business expenses that aren't business expenses and cheated on his taxes. Hunter Biden, between 2014 and 2019, wrote off what he paid for prostitutes, what he paid for hotel rooms for drug dealers, and what he paid for sex club memberships. And the IRS was not allowed to investigate this. Hunter Biden's been avoiding paying taxes since 2009, 2010-ish. And he didn't pay the $2.2 million tax bill that he was in trouble for not paying. A wealthy benefactor paid it for him in hopes that Hunter would pay him back. Boy, it is good to be a Biden, huh? And the last thing I want to talk about before I give you three more of the 15 things you should give up to be happy is Yevgeny Prigozhin and Vladimir Putin may have worked together on this attempted coup. That's very interesting to think about. I heard this from someone on radio station news to, I don't know, when I'm flipping through news all day. Um, They said that it was possible that this could have been a combined effort to make Putin look weaker so that the United States and other countries would consider him so weak they didn't have to continue contributing arms and money to Ukraine. Hmm, that's very, very interesting. So I, that's uh, definitely going to look more into that and I'll have more to talk about later. All right. Now, last week, we talked about the first three things of the 15 things you should give up to be happy. Give up your need to always be right. Give up your need for control and give up blame. And I hope you've considered that and thought about giving those up in your life. The next three are really, really good. Uh, The first one, give up your self-defeating self-talk. How many people are hurting themselves because of negative and repetitive self-defeating talk. When you're always telling yourself, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, but I, I know it's not going to work out. Or 
if you're talking to yourself and you're saying, you know, I, I really want to do this, but I, I just don't have the energy. I just don't have the, the knowledge. I, don't, I just don't have. I just don't have. When you keep saying, I just don't have, you're right. You just don't have. That is the negative talk you're telling yourself all the time. And you need to stop it. Uh, Eckhart Tolle said, the mind is a superb in instrument if used rightly. Used wrongly, however, it becomes a very destructive instrument. And that is absolutely true. If you are constantly negative talking yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to accomplish things because your mind creates your reality. Believe it or not, I've heard there's an expression that says what you think about, you bring about. Or another expression like that that says, Whatever the mind of man can conceive, the hand of man can achieve. I've said that before in one of my positive notes. I believe that 100%. And actually, friends of mine now are reading a new book that I'm very excited to get into. It is called The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. And I would recommend that book, by the way. Uh, I'm really excited to get into this because I believe very strongly that the subconscious mind is so powerful and there is a place that we can access through meditation and other means, uh, spirituality or whatever. And I'm going to literally study more of this uh, through this book and with studying with my friends about this. There is a place you can access where everything that you've stored, everything you've seen, thought, smelled, felt, uh, or spoke about, or seen, I, I think I already said that, but seen even in the background is all stored in your subconscious mind. And there's a way to access it. And that's why I'm really excited to read this. Okay, that's number one. Number two, give up your limiting beliefs about what you can or cannot do it's, there, it's not about that. It's about what's possible or impossible. From now on, you no longer are going to allow your limiting beliefs to keep you stuck in the wrong place. Spread your wings and fly. And Ellie Roselle says, a belief is not an idea held by the mind. It is an idea that holds the mind. So think positively and have positive beliefs. And believe you are limitless because you really are. You're divinely created. There are no limitations to what you can accomplish. You have to work at it. You can't just pray for it or, uh, you know, uh, do the secret and believe you already have it, believe it, and it appears right in front of you. It never works that way. What people don't understand, and this is the most important thing, is when you have positive thoughts or positive or dreams, it must be followed by action. You cannot accomplish things without acting on those beliefs and ideas and dreams. If you just sit and think about dreams and think about things you want to do, that'll never happen. You have to act. That is the most important thing. Action is the most important thing that you must do to control your beliefs and dreams and goals and accomplishments. You have to act to do that. All right. And the third one, the last one I'm going to talk about before I close this out today, give up 
complaining. Oh my gads, people complain constantly in this world. The, the left right now is complaining that these three judgments came, that came down from SCOTUS weren't what they wanted. And they're complaining that the SCOTUS is so conservative and because they want it to be what they want and they're complaining constantly. Give up your constant need to complain about those many, many, many things. People, situation, events that make you unhappy, sad, and depressed. Nobody can make you unhappy. No situation can make you sad or miserable unless you allow it to. That goes back to my love of Dr. Wayne Dyer and what he taught me is you choose how to react to every situation without exception. No one can make you unhappy. No situation can make you sad or miserable unless you allow it to. Or let me change the word, unless you choose to allow it to. It is a choice. Choose wisely. It's not the situation that triggers those feelings in you, but how you choose to look at it. Never underestimate the power of positive thinking. That is so important. And I know it's so cliche, think positive, but it's true. There is a, like I said in my uh, other po- a previous podcast, that exercise on gratitude. Do it. Sit down and think of everything you are grateful for and think positively about everything that you have. And it can be the smallest thing. Thank you for the meal I just ate. Thank you for the water I just drank. Thank you for my phone. Thank you for the wallpaper I have. Thank you for the posters. Thank you for the things I have in my house. Thank you for the change I have in my pocket. Thank you for my iPod. Thank you for my stuffed animals. Thank you. Literally everything. When you give thanks and create this attitude of gratitude, it helps you stay positive. So the three things, again, just to reiterate what we talked about today, give up on your self-defeating self-talk. Don't talk down to yourself. Don't negative talk yourself out of things. Give up on your limiting beliefs. You are limitless. There is absolutely nothing you cannot do. All right. And then give up complaining. When you complain about things, you're telling the universe, I want more. Believe it or not, that's how it works. That's the law of attraction, my friends. One last thing I want to mention, because it is going to be the 4th of July tomorrow. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to America. For the rest of the world, sorry, you have to work. (laughs) But I want everyone to know I am so grateful to live in this country. I'm so grateful for the freedoms that we have. And I am so grateful for the soldiers throughout the years who have defended those freedoms on my behalf. And I am going to do something this year, and I'm going to make it a tradition every year. I did it a few years back, but now I want to do it every year. And that is read the Declaration of Independence. I would suggest every other person listening to this podcast read that document as well. Even if you're not in this country, it is an amazing document. It is so powerful and the words are so inspiring. 
You know, when we wanted to break away from the influence of King George and become an independent country and not live under his tyranny anymore, Thomas Jefferson, I think, did most of the writing of the Declaration of Independence. Other people contributed, but I think he was the one that penned it. So, so incredible. So if you get a chance, go and read, and you can go online. You don't have to have the book. I have a little mini book that I got from Hillsdale College. And get, go online and read the entire Declaration of Independence. And I think you will be inspired and in awe like I am every time I read it. So happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Everyone have a safe and spectacular holiday And remember, the real reason for it is the creation and independence of what I believe is one of the greatest countries in the history of our planet. I believe that's about it for this podcast. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Be sure and go back. If you haven't listened to all my podcasts, go back. Listen to all of them. They're all I spend all week researching and working on these podcasts, and then I put them all together Saturday and Sunday, or mostly Sunday, uh, because I work Tuesday through Saturday, and I take Sundays and Mondays off. And sometimes I don't get the podcast out till Monday night because I spend Monday doing a lot of editing and re-recording, and I, I just I work really hard on these podcasts. So I really appreciate you all listening. Please relay the bark. Talk to your friends, your relatives, your coworkers, uh, people you're sitting in the barbershop talking to, you know, people you're standing in line with at the grocery store, at the bank. You know, if you see them on their phone and it looks like they might be interested in what I'm talking about, let them know. Hey, say, hey, I just listened to this new podcast called The Watchdog's Bark. Have you ever heard of it? Oh my gosh, it's really good. If you think that. If you think it's really bad, don't tell everybody it's really bad. I don't want you to spread that bark. But please spread the word because I want this podcast to be big enough to where hopefully on episode 50, I'm just putting this out there, I'm going to reveal what I have been doing my entire life and what my profession is. It is, a, like I said, I work in a field that is very dominated by liberals And I would lose um, a lot of work and connections and uh, people I've networked with for years and years and years. I would lose some of them because they found out I was conservative Uh, because I have had to keep my mouth shut in this industry for 33 years. And the reason why I started this podcast, I can't keep my mouth shut anymore. I know eventually these worlds will collide, and I think I might make it happen on my own if I can get this podcast where I can make a little bit of money and not have to depend so much on the other industry. All right, so that is it for this podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, create an amazing day, and please relay the bark.